that's not an impressive sound that we did. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Cinema on Tap, the movie podcast. What do I always say, Christian? You threw me off by uh, opening the beer first. Cinema on Tap, your weekly movie podcast. There it is. Weekly movie podcast with a refreshing selection of movie reviews and industry topics on tap for discussion. As always, I am Scott Lentz, joined by my good friend and drinking buddy, Christian Ubius. Christian, I am wondering how much of this intro you'll leave and how much you'll edit out in post, but otherwise, how's it going? Happy third week of Bradley Cooper Month. Hey, Scott. Yes. I just want to take another look at you. <laughs> uh, Christian. Christian, um, I believe... I, I believe what you mean is, hey, Christian, I want to take another look at you. You got to drop uh, it down real low there. Uh, real, real, real low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for our boy Jackson Maine, because of for course. Our boy Jackson Maine. Today, yes. we are talking about A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper's yeah. directorial debut, 100%. screenwriting debut. Exactly. And probably to date, I, I might say, like the, the peak of his career thus far. I, I think after the release of this movie, so, was uh, like that was the highest he's gotten. It's it's the highest he's gotten because it's the movie where where Bradley Cooper is front and center. Well, alongside Lady Gaga. And Lady Gaga, let's not kid ourselves, she is probably one of the main drivers of asses to seats. Yeah, she is a it let it let it be said here on this uh, very brave podcast, an international pop sensation. <laughs> With a very devoted fan base. Um, yes, uh, abs- absolutely. And you know how those pesky fans are. They're like, me, we need a support. If there's one thing fans of pop stars are going to do, it's support them in all things. And that includes going to see movies that they appear in. Uh, you know, the, the Swifties didn't show up for Amsterdam, unfortunately. But they showed up at other times. They were there for the Lorax. I mean, you know, credit where credit's due. Maybe for Cats. But that movie was kind of doomed. What can you say? We're here I, to talk I, about Lady Gaga. I don't Gaga. know what we're talking about right now. We're talking about so, uh, stand culture. Now, part of, the, part of the reason I don't know what we're talking about is that we have no outline. Yeah, Christian did not provide me an outline, listeners. So if at any point during this episode we're just we're searching, that we're lost in conversational thought, it's his fault. Let it be known. I, I, do, I do remember, though, that the first year of our podcast, we didn't do outlines. No, we were dumb. Um, <laughs> we really were. And when I spoke, the first time I ever spoke to your dad over the phone, your dad was like, all right, here's what you need. You need an outline. <laughs> John Lentz is nothing if not uh, <laughs> if not good for the occasional note for our podcast. Oh my goodness. You've been watching other Bradley Cooper movies, right? I have been. I- I've recently watched another Bradley Cooper movie from 2018, The Mule. His, uh, his second collaboration with Clint Eastwood. I watched The Midnight Meat Train. You watched The Midnight Meat Train! It, yes. It's all your um, given to me. That, the movie is quite poor. <laughs> the 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 backstory makes no at some point and this is this is kind of a spoiler, I don't know. At some point they're like zombies. <laughs> yeah, it's uh <laughs> it, folks, I would encourage you to seek out the midnight meat the train. Sh- it so is based much CGI blood that is that that's that's like that movie is dripping in CGI blood. Okay, but but they, but it's based on a Clive Barker short story. Clive sure. Barker, you know, horror writer, wrote Hellraiser yes. among, among other things, of course. And so that cosmic 
shift yeah. in tone that it takes is great if you have no idea about the right. original story or what's going on because it comes out of nowhere uh which would be for some a negative for for enlightened viewers like myself it's a positive okay. here's, here's what i will say bradley cooper is incredible in it he is he is pretty good legitimately pretty good the year before he makes the hangover he he's the star of the midnight yeah. meat train you know, re i watched the hangover after I rewatched it for the episode because my roommate wanted to watch it with me. And I'm still like giggling throughout the whole thing. And there's one specific line that I don't know, for some reason I missed during the earlier rewatch this month where Ed, um, Bradley Cooper tells Ed Helms about his, his girlfriend he's about to propose to. She beats you and he goes, it was twice and I was out of line. Just... <laughs> Nothing, nothing is funnier than abuse uh, to Todd Phillips. Uh, I don't stand by that statement, listeners. But let's talk about Bradley Cooper. We are let's talk about Bradley Cooper. Progressing with his career. Yes. Last week we got up to 2014 with American Sniper. I, I watched. Okay. We we got up to 2014 with American Sniper. He is nom um he is nominated again. He was nominated in 2013 for American Hustle. Yes. In 2015, he does Joy with Jennifer Lure. Um, and he, Serena is somewhere in there, but okay. no one yeah. has seen Serena. Nobody has unfortunately seen Serena. His second collaboration with Jennifer Lawrence, which does come in 2014. At what point was the Hangover Part Three? The Hangover Part Three is back in 2013. Okay. So he he gets rich off some Hangover sequels and he's making other stuff. By the way, um, you have seen the Hangover Part Two. I have. And and you have some thoughts over my math teacher showing it to us. That person <laughs> needs to. Ha- needs to be put on a disciplinary watch or probation of some kind. That is uh, neglect to, to perform that uh, in a, a public public school setting. You know, that's that's not okay, buddy. He really wanted to hype us up before our math tournament, you know? You were you're going to a math tournament? We were going, yeah, we did math competitions. You were a mathlete, like Katie yes. Heron from Mean Girls, and your teacher was showing you the hangover part two. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So 2015, not only does he make Joy, but he makes yeah. Aloha. Oh yes. A movie that is yes. famous for two things. Number one, Emma casting Stone? Emma Stone yeah. as an Asian character. And number two, being terrible. So I have not seen Aloha. I have seen Burnt. And Burnt is also that year. Thoughts on Burnt? Yo, the food looks so good. The, 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 no, no. But the movie, Christian. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, I know. that. You know, when a, food, when a movie's about a chef and about food... If the food looks good, it kind of helps you like the movie. No, it it, it felt I, I, it felt like I was watching food porn. Like it was, ju- it's literally like slow pan shots resting on someone putting a glaze over a over a pastry or a salad. Um, the 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 plot mechanisms make no sense. Um, in a good way or a bad way. Um, in a in a midnight meat train way or. <laughs> it, it's just like it, it, like these characters are exceedingly superficial motivations are paper thin um and i think that that's on purpose because the movie's about like hey guys look at this crazy chef trying to make more food and honestly it it like the movie knew what it was about (laughs) the movie knew it wasn't deep whatsoever i liked it good to know it's still a movie that i'd like to check out but it, what, what's interesting after that, at least for Bradley Cooper, is he starts not, like, taking a back seat in Hollywood, obviously, but it feels like there's a turning point in his career. 
2015. This TV series comes out in 2016. Sure, but like he again, <laughs> sure. like he's trying to be a movie star and a filmmaker because you you can even look at the arc of his career. We're like, yeah, the Limitless TV show's coming out. He's executive producer. He is a supporting role in that as his character from the movie. But 2015 is miss, miss, miss in terms of Aloha, Burnt, and Joy. 2016, he has a cameo in 10 Cloverfield Lane, which maybe a spoiler. I haven't seen that movie. Who's to say? And uh, also is in... Uh, Guardians Volume 2 come out in 2016? Not yet, because he's in War Dogs, which is another Todd Phillips movie. I really want to see it though. But I, it, I think it's good. I like it. But it had, it's mostly a Jonah Hill and Miles Teller movie. And he's a supporting part there. But, and then okay. 2017 is Guardians Volume 2. He's, and so that's... A, that's like not supporting, though. Bradley Cooper... I mean, Licorice Pizza was not that long ago. And he is there for 10 minutes. And arguably the best scenes of the movie have Bradley Cooper in them. Yeah. And, but again, like, in, in the build-up to A Star sure. is Born, sure, sure, sure. I think what is interesting is to see how kind of, he has this, like, huge moment with American Sniper, producer, multi-Oscar nominee, box office draw, and then the movies that he makes are not successful. A lot of, like, people have not really seen Aloha, Burnt, and Joy. Not widely. Um, and he's not really, like, what's known about War Dogs. And Guardians is obviously Guardians of the Galaxy, but he is not, his face is not in those movies. And so it's interesting to me that... Like, part of the reason I say A Star is Born is, like, peak of the Bradley Cooper experience is because this dude, after a couple of years where he was still famous, still acting, but not as successful as he had been in the build-up to Mm -hmm. 2015, now is once again back on top of Hollywood with his directorial debut that is incredibly well-received, a huge hit at the box office, makes a incredibly successful soundtrack that that wins Grammys and, and charts. He has a Grammy. He does have a Grammy. And... Uh, it like is also in Avengers Infinity War, which is like a massive cultural deal at the time. Uh, and even in 2018, he has The Mule, which is a Clint Eastwood movie that was like a solid success that he is not, he's in a supporting role in. But it's like you hit all of the Bradley Cooper buckets where you have the weird supporting role as Rocket Raccoon in Avengers Infinity War. You have the like strong, solid supporting, supporting turn with Clint Eastwood in The Mule. And then you have the introduction to Bradley Cooper, the filmmaker, with A Star is Born, which is a huge success. So I have a question on this. Yes. Um, because uh, is, uh, his, is his output going to decrease? Bradley Cooper is at the point where he can do whatever he wants. Yes. And so... Very much so. What, what honestly was surprising to me was the... Um, it, honestly, Licorice Pizza isn't that surprising to me because he probably really respects Paul Thomas Anderson and wanted to work with him. However, is he going to keep doing the uh, I'm in this movie for 10 minutes roles? His career is riddled with them. His career is absolutely riddled with them, and he has multiple years of having three or four movies come out in the same year. Now, at times, that's just the sign of a struggling actor or an actor who is not at an A-list level despite being a known quantity. So nowadays... Um, Will he only really appear in movies that he is directing in, um, or will he do another Nightmare Alley? Will he do another, um, not Guardians of the Galaxy necessarily, but like a main where main role where you're you're not seeing his face? That is a big question mark for me in in where his career is going. I really think that it we are going to see less Bradley Cooper going forward. Partially, but more buzz around everything he does. Though. But more buzz around everything he does. Partially because both A Star is Born and Maestro, which 
come out five years apart. Yeah. And, and granted, part of that is due to COVID. Part mm-hmm. of that is COVID delaying Maestro as it delayed Everybody. any movie that came out that year and then 21, 22, 23. But we are going to see less of him because I think he is fanatically devoted to his his projects, to the movies that he is writing and hopefully directing. For example, in 2024, the only thing that he's slated to uh, participate in as is producer is produ- that producer of Joker Folia Do. So we'll see if he picks up uh, another Best I'm Picture interested. nomination. But uh, I'm... speaking of Lady Gaga, actually, I, I, she's appearing as Harley Quinn. She's back, folks. Honestly, she is the thing I am most excited about in that movie, which I am oh, not like crazy pumped she, for. <laughs> she was the best part to me about House of Gucci. Oh, she sure was. But, and I, that, I mean, I do think that he is going going to be back in the lab once um, the the Oscars are over and he can end the campaign trail for Maestro and really try to be cooking up his, his next movie that he's going to make. Will it be a Stranger Than Enemies? It, which one is that again? Is that with Christian Bale? Is that the Christian Bale where there's spies? I mean, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I was looking at his IMDb earlier today, looking at some upcoming projects, and everything that's in there, there's not really a ton of information. It's it's stuff that bullet. Yeah, for example, like I don't even know if that appears on his IMDb right now, but he's been linked so. to that, like a, a a new film about that character from Steven Spielberg. But I don't. They may have announced that he's attached to it, but. We haven't heard anything about if it he, since that announcement a few months ago. If he is in a movie that he is not directing or writing or, or producing, that is because it is it is a cornerstone of American filmmaking or a, 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 a massive, massive director who has tapped in for it. That, or it is Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Okay, you see, Which, actually... Another spoiler you, alert you, about a cameo, but... <laughs> you, you answered my question. No, he didn't need to do Dungeons & Dragons. Like, he didn't need that money. He didn't need to be in that role. And honestly, I think there's going to be a part of him who is always going to do that. So, yes, his output is going to decrease, but I think he'll still cameo in some fun things. <laughs> there's uh, There was an article written about why he cameoed on that, and I... I have not read it, and I wish that I have, so I had any understanding as to why he did that. <laughs> but it's 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 the best part of the movie. Too. Yeah, kudos to him. So we'll Let see how much Bradley gets something. going forward. But yes, I have seen this man now in person. Congratulations, Steve Christian. I, I I saw him. You after, did attend a screening. Um, after a screening of Maestro, before a screening of The Star Is Born, it was beautiful to be in the presence of a legend. And also, he is beautiful himself. Very true. Um, what I have noticed in in seeing him and doing all of this is is not just how devoted it is to the projects, but also how um the people in my audience who had not seen Maestro before were confused as to why Twitter hated the movie. And afterwards there was a screening of A Star is Born so I'm happy that I was able to see the movie again in the theater people were sobbing full on like keeping trying to keep to themselves but they can't within this theater and this man is powerful in what he is able to how he is able to move that camera and write his I yeah I think he he's very interestingly chosen music as and musicians as the 
uh, the first two movies that he has appeared in. And I'm curious to see what a wholly original Bradley Cooper film looks like. Because, of course, A Star Is Born is the fourth remake. At least the fourth film remake. Because there was a TV adaptation as well. Uh, and, and there have been international adaptations of that story. It's a Bollywood adaptation. Yes. Uh, and then Maestro, of course, was an original screenplay, but it's based on the life of a very famous person. So I'd be curious to see what a wholly original Bradley Cooper film looks like. But we don't have that yet. What we do have is his his interest in portraying these like magnetic musicians. And, and Jackson Maine and Leonard Bernstein are very different people, very different parts. Uh, Maine, not only, and that he's fictional, of course, but this struggling... Uh, alcoholic and drug addict and really traumatized and broken person who nevertheless became a famous and successful musician because I guess all the best musicians are traumatized to some degree but um, obviously Leonard Bernstein you know had his troubles but very different person from <laughs> from Jackson Maine and and it's just so interesting that he is he's drawn to music as his foray into filmmaking and I, I was trying to think about why that's why I want it to be Stranger Than Enemies because if it's Stranger Than Enemies that is a, that is or I, I don't actually is it is it, is it called Strangers Than Enemies is it Strangers of Enemies Enemies to Stranger I don't know it's it's something if he does a spy thriller you're going to see a different side for sure although I'm, I'm pretty sure this is also going to be adopted from something else um I do want to say though, maybe music or real people is just as lame, and uh, I mean, he, he might deviate, but what do you? I I saw this earlier today. I wanted to bring it up. He is okay. apparently, according to an article from June of last year on Deadline, he will be directing a movie for Searchlight with Will Arnett. They're going to co-star, and Arnett wrote the script with someone else, and Bradley Cooper is going to direct it. Plot details are being kept under wraps. So we'll see how that goes. And we don't know... We, we No plot details, no <laughs> genre. No. And I mean, knowing Will Arnett, good chance it's a comedy of some kind, but we'll see. I mean, him and Will Arnett are friends. Like, genuine, they, they came up together str- uh, struggling actors together. It would be interesting to see the Bradley Cooper comedy, because so much of his early career was him in comedies, comedy. mostly in supporting parts until The Hangover. So it'd be interesting to get his directorial take on that. He probably knows more about comedies than a good chunk of people, um, or, or in terms of what makes a scene funny. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested, but um, I was going to give the Scorsese example of what do we know Scorsese before. I mean, he's done a variety of genres, but we know him for the gangster movies. Well, yeah, what's funny about him is people people think of him only as a guy who makes gangster movies because he made Goodfellas and Casino, but obviously he's done so much more than that. <laughs> like, he's, he's done, so, uh, I mean, Mean Streets. Um, the, uh, there, there's, uh, to some extent, Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, those aren't gangsters, but you know, like, the... Uh, uh, Crime it, it is organized crime. Yes. Maybe not super well organized, but it's organized nonetheless. Um, so, you know, if he just wants to do music for the rest of his life as he directs, maybe Will Arnett in This is a Famous Singer, who knows? Um, I'd kind of be down. Will Arnett and Bradley Cooper star... What what, uh, what is that movie called? <laughs> I lost it. Uh, imagine them as, like, guys singing at, like, a lounge... Like, mm. in Vegas, somewhere. Right. The Hangover? <laughs> uh, it's called Is This Thing On? 
So maybe sure. they're stand-up comedians? Yeah, That's maybe. the name of the product? Yes. It could be the fake name. It could be the fake name. I, you know, but what I think... When I was thinking about why is Bradley Cooper so drawn to music, I think there is a part of me, knowing what I know about him, that he is someone who deeply cares about the craft of acting. People sometimes circulate the clips of him on the actor's studio when he was a student there in like 2000, 2001, like way back in the day, asking these famous actors about their craft, about their careers. He deeply cares about the actual craft of acting. He deeply cares about filmmaking. Obviously, he has appeared on Broadway, he has done TV, but we know him most through his movies. And he is now starting to pivot into a career path as a filmmaker and less as a prominent A-list. I mean, not A-list. Like, of course he's an A-list actor, but less as a leading man. And I think why music to that point? I think there's something about him that loves the fact that musicians can create out of, like, out of only their mind. They hear, the, they hear the sounds in their mind and through alchemy bring it together and put it on a page. And in that way, like, it's different from filmmaking, of course, because at his level where he's making big studio movies, you know, you're working with all kinds of craftsmen, all kinds of artisans, all kinds of people holding the lights and moving the, like, moving the camera on its tracks. Have you, let me point you into a, to a little movie called The Words, which he has started, in which he is portraying an author because it, it, it is similar. And, and I wouldn't be surprised, based on the theory, if he does, like, a, he's a famous author kind of a thing in the future either. But, um, oh, by the way, so next week we're doing our top four, if, if we are giving people a taste of who Bradley Cooper is, we're doing our Bradley Cooper play alongside our top five Bradley Cooper performances. Um, and I'm going to carve out a little bit of time for me to talk about Bradley Cooper as an inspiration. Oh, my gosh. Great. Um, Let's 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 look at uh, let's throw format aside and let's look at the twenty eighteen Oscars because you said clear out <laughs> that we needed to clear out space and talk about what happened. Yeah. So, folks, we got to talk about the ninety first Academy Awards because good good gravy. This is um, it's atrocious. This is a year. This is like this is atrocious. If you stack up. The nominees against any other year, great year. The winners, in some categories, mind-boggling <laughs> when you consider the other movies nominated. Best Picture that year is infamously won by that Green Book. That you haven't seen. I still have not seen Green Book, so who knows? Maybe I will actually watch it one day and become the world's biggest Green Book defender. I doubt it. Based on what I've heard about that movie, based on what I've heard from you about that movie, Christian, yeah. I, I, I just doubt that I'm going to like that movie. Yeah. But also nominated that year, Black Panther, mm-hmm. what I still consider to be the best movie in the MCU. Sure. And and what many other I like people, it. Many, I like like it. from a more critical point of view, say that yes, that, that that's the one. Uh, Black Klansman. A, a very you good know, Spike Lee movie. Not a fan, actually. That That's your loss. That's your I, loss. I, you know, I don't consider it a loss, actually. That, that really is, because I, I think Black Townsman is pretty great. I, I'm, I'm not like a Spike Lee completist, so I don't know where it ranks among all of his films, but of the ones I've seen, it, it's definitely like in that upper portion. Okay, so let's talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, then. Bohemian Rhapsody. I looked at this on Letterboxd and could not have been more disappointed to see your star rating, Christian, which is... Don't, don't, I, uh, significantly I, higher than mine. <laughs> look, I'm not going to lie. I haven't thought about Bohemian Rhapsody once 
This was, uh, I'm sure that I, we, that we all make mistakes. And I'm sure that if I rewatch it, I would actually think about it decently poorly. Here's the thing. Bohemian Rhapsody, almost a billion dollars at the box office. They made over $900 million at One the global the box office. the highest grossing biopics of all time. Which is insane. Not only because it's a, a musical biopic that made that much money, but also the behind the scenes. If you forget, listeners, like... This movie was going to be directed by Brian Singer, who was causing all kinds of problems on set. And then as the Me Too movement kicked off, he was uh, very credibly accused yeah. of some uh, inappropriate behavior with... Uh, with some, some impropriety. Yes, yeah. yes, with some uh, young, young men. Yes. yes. Um, honestly, I forget if they were all even men. So uh, could have been younger than that, shall we say. I think he was... Someone was banned from these Oscars. I don't remember who was banned from these Oscars, but someone was. I don't, I don't know. But, like, <laughs> Brian Singer gets booted from this movie before they can finish it. Uh, and they bring in Dexter Fletcher to finish it. And somehow, it becomes a massive box office sensation. I think because people love Queen, we're really excited about the Freddie Mercury movie. I remember watching it with a friend, and my friend was like, that was really good at the end of it. Uh, so, people genuinely really like Bohemian Rhapsody. People do. Uh, but the favorite you love terrible. the favorite I and many others love the favorite because um, Yorgos Lanthimos yeah. is a king He's a, he is a lord of cinema and this movie which features Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz vying for Olivia Colman's attention in, in the most uh, skullduggerish way <laughs> it's, it is a I think both a hilarious comedy and, and send up of this era of, of history and making fun of British royalty and what strivers will do to achieve their their position in the world. Not a fan. Now, that is, uh, Roma. Now, Christian, why are you not a fan of The Favorite? It is, I mean, at I, the very I, least, I just hilarious. Not, I am not in the wavelength of Yorgos Lanthimos' take on comedy. I do not, I, I don't know, the scene that I always remember is the um, when they're dancing and they're doing this stupid dance in the middle of the court um, like throwing each other around and it, to me it's just being weird for absolutely no sake I love Rachel Weisz's character I love Olivia Coleman and Emma Stone I don't like any of the developments that happens between the characters or the chemistry or the premise behind this entire movie I think it is poorly thought out and I hate how the ending of this provides some good uh, victorious view or something along those lines in the way that it frames Olivia Coleman's character while not actually saying anything. I think that he is a man who likes his vibes but doesn't actually format or give a proper formula to what his scripts are. Moving I think on. he's decent as a director. I actually think he's quite skilled as a director. I don't think the script makes sense. Moving on from your horrible opinions. Roma which is an incredible movie, and what I still stand by saying should have won Best Picture that year. Sure. Alfonso Cuaron did ultimately win Best Director, uh, a category Green Book was not nominated in. Uh, we have A Star is Born, of yes. course. And we have Vice. Adam McKay's like uh, follow-up to The Big Short about with Christian Bale starring as uh, former Vice President Dick Cheney, which... Uh, a lot of uh, Republican and other conservative folks uh, hated this movie. A lot of um, Democrat or left-wing folks enjoyed this movie. Uh, a lot of people. A lot of Democrats also hate this. Movie. Yeah, a lot of people also hated this movie. People who don't like Adam McKay's like smarmy brand of liberal comedy, even people who will share maybe share his uh, opinions or beliefs on things, just still hated this movie. So a little more controversial. But I mean, of this bunch, Green Book is the only one I haven't seen. So of course it's hard to say like 
how it how it stacks up among them. <laughs> this bunch, Roma, is the only one I haven't seen. Which is uh, which is a shame because I think it's legitimately just like an all time great, but it's stuck on Netflix. So I, I go watch love Quaron. Um, I, I, I do. So I I. I... I don't know why I haven't seen it yet. Of even among bunch, this, I even among this bunch. Sorry, you were saying? Of this bunch, I would have given it to A Star Is Born. I mean, like... A 10 out of 10 times, taking Roma out because I haven't seen it, 10 out of 10 times I give this Oscar to A Star Is Born. What's just so insane to me is that, like, A Star Is Born, I, I would not have given it Best Picture from this lineup. If it had won, I would have been like, I love that movie. I, I prefer Roma, or maybe The sure. Favorite, but, like, even so, I love A Star Is Born. I wouldn't have been mad in the slightest if it won. Bradley Cooper, not nominated for Best Director, kind of infamously, um, because the Academy did what it often does, mixes in an international choice. Shout out to Pavel Pavlikovsky, directed Cold War and the International Contingent, okay. got him in. If, if we kept Yorgos Lanthimos because you love him and a bunch of people love him, I would, of I would have taken out Adam McKay. Lanthimos is the king. As someone who really likes Vice, I would have put in Bradley Cooper. That, I mean, that's fair. I, like, I remember really liking Vice and... I'd like to watch it again someday, maybe, to see okay. how it how I feel about it now, now. But as someone who, when he watched, um, when he watched Bohemian Rhapsody, liked it. Best actor. <laughs> Rami Malek wins that year, of course. I, I, I don't get it. What are we doing? I, like 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 uh, for a couple reasons. One, this doesn't even follow Oscar's logic. This, this but it does though, because he's playing no, a real person. He he <laughs> sure sure he is. And and he's got like the big uh, the big you know makeup and the fake teeth and yeah, he's lip-syncing. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Except that normally that happens with someone who is like overdue. Um. <laughs> Not what? always, Christian. See Eddie Redmayne a few years earlier. Oh my goodness. For Stephen Hawking. And and you know who he won over. Who he won over, Christian. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton and Birdman. Which um, what are we doing? <laughs> like this, like. Bradley Cooper does the full transformation, lowers his voice, does the, even Christian Bale. Honestly, if Christian Bale had won, I would have loved it because I love Christian you Bale. Love but Christian I Bale. would have been like a. But what happened to Bradley Cooper? Also, I mean, we forgot to mention Eddie Redmayne beat Bradley Cooper for playing Chris Conley. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, this the is... Rami Malek performance is like one of the only, from what I can remember, the only redeeming elements about Bohemian Rhapsody, and there are people who disagree with okay. me about that. But, Looking but, at this list, the fact that we did not give it to Bradley Cooper over him is so painful, oh especially considering the music. Like you have, li- you have karaoke queen versus one. like real original songs, which is a shame. And 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 he makes you cry. He is upset. He's drunk for a good chunk of this movie. He um the the, the stark differences between when he's playing a drunk individual and when he's sobered up and. Uh, how also, like, like I'm upset he wasn't nominated for Best Director. The way in which he is structuring these scenes is gorgeous. I, I will say, uh, as his direction goes, it is very good, very confident stuff. But, like, I'm not offended that it wasn't held up among the best directed films of the year. That's something... That, but, 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 I don't even... Okay, I know that I suggested we should talk about these Oscars. I don't even want to anymore. Because it's 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 like a... It's like a, what are we doing? Basically, he hasn't proven himself yet. Like, yeah, like the whole, like the narrativizing that happens around the Oscars gets so confusing because you have a good version of that where Black Klansman wins for Best Adapted Screenplay and Spike Lee finally wins a competitive Oscar. He and his collaborators there. 
um, which somehow he had not won despite all of the great movies he had made over the years. But then you also have Rami Malek winning. And unfortunately, you also want to look back at the Oscars as some kind of like flashpoint in time. Like one of their biggest, one of the biggest things they provide to people, of course, is as a sort of imperfect version of film history. Like what was this year in movies like in it from an Amer- mostly American perspective? And unfortunately, like Rami Malek has not really lived up to the promise of a young best actor Oscar winner like that's, he's been a Bond villain that's he, but... not on Rami Malek I don't think that's on, I don't think you need to live up to like what an award gives you I think that's sometimes that, that's but what that's not what I'm saying like what I'm saying is that what, if we're using this as a history like it's kind of a shame that it I mean not a shame whatever but it, like it, it went it's supposed to be a marker of what the best performance of the year is and by the way I, I, I get mad at you all the time about this also like movies aren't sports why do you get mad at me for that Movies aren't sports. Like, the Oscars make no sense. Okay. <laughs> Movies aren't sports, and so, like, like, all of this is exceedingly objective. Objectively. Sub, er, subjective. 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 Yeah. Um, subjectively, then, uh, do not think that Rami Malek was the best actor of this year. No, and I, I think what's, what is, again, what is so funny is that he does win that year. The Academy votes him as the winner, but... So many, like, regular Joes and Janes, like, average people would say, like, oh, it's Bradley Cooper because of, they remember Star is Born, or like, oh, it was someone else. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, obviously, Bohemian Rhapsody, $900 million at the global box office, people like that movie. Just to, like, quickly touch on some of the other categories where Star is Born shows up. Lady Gaga nominated in Best Actress, which I think is honestly a really good batch of nominees because I'm one of the five people that actually likes The Wife with Glenn Close, but... Olivia Coleman famously wins uh, a little bit unexpectedly that year. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, Mahershala Ali, wins his second award in that category, which he wins for Green Book, but does win over Sam Elliott, who was nominated for his part in Star is Born. Honestly? You texted me that you think Sam Elliott should have won. So again, I have not seen Green Book. I cannot evaluate Mahershala Ali's, uh, Mahershala Ali's performance. I can assure you Sam Elliott should have won. Have, knowing, especially knowing that Mahershala Ali had previously won for his very good performance in Moonlight... Uh, it, it is funny when the Oscars choose to like double up, and it, it sort of feels like they're the the narrative is forming around Green Book, like we have to abort it elsewhere. Okay. But but let's let's let me let me do, let me do this. Um, I I think A Star Is Born is a masterpiece. I think it's a five out of five star film. I've already logged it. I, I you are not surprised that I no. think that. No, I'm not. Exactly. So I'm not gonna. I and I am pretty sure that for you it's four stars. I mean, that, that's, like, what I gave it originally, and I'm honestly thinking about, like, do I want to bump it up a little bit? Because it's not a masterpiece for me, but as, like, a pure piece of, like, classic American entertainment, absolute banger. <laughs> then, 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 let me go with this question for you. I don't think I needed to sell you on Bradley Cooper. No, not at all. But I, I, I know that I'm, like, the he's my boy guy of us two. Not that you're, not that you don't love him. Not that you wouldn't go no. out and see everything by him. Did I successfully over the course of three weeks, because we have liked slash respected all five of these movies, did I manage to increase your already high excitement for who Bradley Cooper is and what he could do next? I mean, I, I don't think it needed I don't a lot think of it needed to be improving. Increased. I think what's funny is that like 
you know, he's Christian Bale is another one of your favorite actors. Yeah. He's also an actor that I really love. Yeah. And like we grew up with him as Batman. So it's like yeah. that guy's always going to be in for us. But um, it's another example of like there's someone that you have a particular affection for and attachment to who also happens to be one of my faves. And like <laughs> I think at times we may appreciate different things about him. But Bradley Cooper, to me, as I've spent some time thinking about him this month, yeah, I think has maybe like gone up a little bit in my estimation, especially as someone who liked Maestro and knowing that there are a lot of people and I don't know about average folks, but like a lot of critics loved the movie, a lot hated the movie. And there's a lot of good conversation about why it did or did not work, but it wasn't like a slam dunk in the way that A Star is Born was. Um, But even so, like I, I just bring that up to say, like I really love when Bradley Cooper's in a movie. I love the two movies he has directed so far. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm in on this guy. And, and there are times where I'm like, I don't know if this is the best use of your time and talent, Bradley. <laughs> like, your ongoing attachment to Todd Phillips it, like remains interesting to me. Um, but, you know, it's like, I... What's cool about doing this month of the show right. in February 2024 is that it feels like we have so much left to do with Bradley Cooper because he is... Do you know how old he is? He's 49. Okay, he's 49. So he is turning... He's January birthday. He turns 50 next, next year. year. But it still feels like we have a good like, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years with this guy because, of course, he's now in a filmmaking phase and... Although he has devoted many years to his projects thus far, it's like if he starts cranking things out, like I'm gonna, I'll be seeing him, and I hope he keeps making movies, especially now that I think his time in the MCU is done, and he'll probably be looking for something to keep him in the popular Guardians? discourse. Shall Guardians we say? of the Galaxy is going to be an interesting conversation next week because um, I think people love the fact that he voiced Rocket Raccoon in the first Guardians movie. Yeah. And he is doing great voice work for Rocket. Yeah. Um, I think it'll just be interesting talking between Guardians Volume 1 and Guardians Volume 3. Because Bradley Cooper in the first two movies of 2023... Where'd Volume 2 go, brother? <laughs> I, I like Volume 2. That's not an anti-Volume 2. <laughs> yeah, no, Volume 2 is phenomenal. But uh, I, don't, I don't know if he is uh, so yeah. prominently featured. No, so it, it's just all of these conversations about what he has chosen to do. Um, people are joking about it, but he has actually texted uh, uh, yeah. Ed Helms and Zach. <laughs> he had texted <laughs> me. Um, I would have pulled it up and we would be looking at the text as we record the entire podcast. No. You would have uh, already had it tattooed somewhere in your body, I'm sure. Um, I don't have any tattoos. Do you? No, but this... That this would be the exception? Like, yes, that's not what I was um, okay, so the the thing is that he has texted Ed Helms and Zach Galifianakis, and uh, I don't know if Justin Bartha was in that chain or not, but about doing the Hangover Part Four, like legitimately. Justin Bartha's like, "Hey guys, heard we were talking about Part four. <laughs> and and Bradley's like, "Who added him to the group text?" <laughs> Ed Helms is like, "Sorry, he like he came to my kid's birthday party, so." Yeah, no, I, you know, we got to talk about A Star is Born now, because we spent a lot of time about him and about the Oscars. We didn't even finish, we had to talk about how Shallow won Best Original Song, because of course it did, because that song is absolutely unbelievable. When they 
So when let's talk about the movie. performed it at the Oscars, like, you couldn't hear John. I mean, again, part of the reason that this is, thus far, like, the peak of his career is that it's not just the movie itself, but them performing Shallow at the Oscars was, like, a Shallow moment. was a hit. <laughs> Wait, I need to see. Did Shallow, Shallow cracked the top ten for sure of the Billboard Hot 100. I'm trying to see if it hit number one. Shallow is considered to be one of the world's best-selling singles of all time. Oh, <laughs> probably. That's a fun fact. It has sold over 10 million copies which puts it in pretty rarefied air. There's, uh, if you look on Wikipedia, at least, there's it not a ton of songs that have cracked it. number that. one on the Billboard Hot 100. A song from a movie doing this. And it's not just like, Can't Stop the Feeling, which is in Trolls. It's like, we're making a, a real good original song for our, our Star is Born adaptation. Uh, where, where was it? Um, the, you know what, let's, let's, oh, it finished the year at 19. At, no, like uh, at the at the year end chart, did it? Yeah, it did. That's cool. All right. Yeah, great, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so so, shallow number one hit. You listen to it. Lady Gaga is probably one of the first people credited, but the song starts with Bradley Cooper. Tell me something, girl. Yeah, dude. Sure does. And he taught himself to sing for this movie. He tried well, so hard. Well, he didn't teach himself. I mean, he he is a very famous and wealthy person who engaged many coaches for assistance and learning the guitar and how to sing. He put in the work because other people wouldn't have done that, and especially for a musical like um, like Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady, she did not sing in those movies. It is someone else's voice who was put in there. Shout out to, to the wonderful women who used to uh, ghost voice people in, in Hollywood. One of my favorite little behind-the-scenes fun facts is about Singing in the Rain, which is a movie that is about a, a young woman who has to provide the voice for an established star and, of course, wins in the end, who, you know, Debbie Reynolds, her voice was dubbed in that, <laughs> in that movie. Like, someone sang over for her. So, yeah, very common practice back in oh, the day. Oh, in West Side Story, um, Rita Moreno actually provided some of the backing vocals for Maria. Yeah, like Natalie Wood, I don't think that was her singing voice in that movie. So, yeah, I mean, just one of the best parts about A Star is Born, of course, is the music, which... It, like so many of these songs are, are just really good um, and, and all the Gaga stuff it, and maybe not like the pop music in particular which I'm curious your take on that but like the the bluesy the rock the country rock or the more like ballad style songs um, like I will always remember a us Star this way A Star is about a man called Jackson Maine played by Bradley <laughs> Cooper who, uh, great, great time to, to do this, Christian, in the middle of my sentence. Who, I realize that you're talking about the difference between the bluesy country songs, and, and if someone has never listened to A Star is Born, they've been listening to this and been like, what are these psychos talking about? Well, if you don't know even know about A Star is Born at this point, I pity you. Get online. We gotta, we gotta stay in the loop, folks. My sister has not seen A Star is Born. That is on me. That Christian, is on me. What do you, who are you? I mean, to be fair, my siblings don't watch... 10% of the stuff. I showed her Oppenheimer and Barbie on That's, the same day. Look at you. Look at you. A little family Barbenheimer. I, I got to see Oppenheimer with two of my siblings. So thanks, Carter and Sarah, if you're out there. 
If you're out there. They're not. They're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Your brother doesn't listen so to us. So Star is Born, this particular edition, yes. uh, is about Jackson Bain, who is a... a drunk? Uh, yes, a drunk and drug-addicted musician whose uh, star is fading, shall we say, who runs into Ali, who is suffers a... Suffers from tinnitus. And suffers from tinnitus. And Ali is a struggling singer-songwriter who has not been able to um, get any headway in the industry. And their chance encounter begins a whirlwind romance and also sets her on the path to stardom while he uh, begins dealing with his issues a little bit more severely. She um, sings at a drag club of... And apparently this drive club would never invite a woman to sing. But her voice is just so good yeah. that they beg her to come and sing them. I mean, it's one of many parts of that movie that's like a nod to Lady Gaga and her actual like career and persona She's a gay beyond this movie. She legitimately is. Yeah, so having her... Coming, uh, like this big, you know, moment where yeah, he that, meets her in a drag bar is pretty. That fun. drag bar is. Those scenes are great. Yeah, it's a fantastic scene. I mean, and she sings "La Vie en Rose," the the famous Piaf song in French, and it's such an unbelievable introduction to Ali as a character because Lady Gaga. I mean, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, still associate her with Poker Face and with Just Dance and, and Born This Way, a lot of these like big popular pop songs, but they don't... Which are great. Yeah, sure. But they don't really know like the depth of her artistry and how powerful her voice is, where she's legitimately maybe one of the best singers working in popular American music today. And you get it immediately with this, uh, this La Vie Rose cover. She Her vocals are incredible. And she's like walking around the room, getting up on tables. And of course meets, uh, not really, but like sees Jackson May for the first time laying down on the bar as they make eye contact, <laughs> and you see him fall in love right then and there, and just just in his eyes, uh, which is, it, it's a really great scene and such an awesome introduction he, to her as a musician, because we've, we've seen yes. her as, in a scene before. He invites her to a different bar to get a drink. She punches someone who is harassing Bradley Cooper. I mean, not just any bar. They say it's a cop bar. A, a, like a bar where police officers hang out and she punches a guy <laughs> which first of all unbelievable right hook on on Allie I mean Yo, she got him good he went down takes that guy out but and again like we're learning about this woman over the course of this night because we we kind of know who Jackson Maine is unfortunately like we've we've seen the alcoholic musician story before Yo, they recorded his first song Black Eyes at yeah. Coachella yeah like it, it, it is pretty cool too some of the just like how they made this movie. I knew we should have gone to Coachella that year. 2018. <laughs> you're just you're in college in Chicago. Yeah, you definitely should have gone to Coachella. Should have at least gone to all of Coachella that year. The okay. And um, they go to a a a like this cornerstone parking lot type of thing because he's getting her peas, frozen yeah. peas, to put on her hand so that to stop the swelling. And then they go outside and they have a conversation about what it means to be a songwriter. And she starts singing the beginnings of Shallow. And then... And my back starts tingling. Yes. <laughs> and then he drops her off at her place. And then he sends a car to pick her up later that day. And she doesn't believe that that car is there. And she thinks that she should go to her own work. But he's invited her to go to a show with him. Now before and, we get there. Yes. Before we get there. Anthony Ramos, 
is like as Hamilton is happening is playing her best friend and co-worker which is just like it's great that it's him because now he's so much more famous but also Andrew Dice Clay is playing her father which like I don't really have any connection to Andrew Dice Clay but the fact that a famous like shock stand-up comic from the 90s is playing her dad I, in this movie is just like okay. a stroke like a stroke of bizarre now, genius casting I actually I have thoughts on it I I think it should have been Ray Liotta what, what? I, <laughs> I think it should have been Anthony Hopkins so, I mean what do you mean <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, I but think I mean, we're... there's like chatter about who was like this. This particular adaptation was long in gestation. Right, right, right. Clint Eastwood was actually attached to it years before it got made, before the project ended up and with then Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper said, I'm not ready yet. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> Indeed, he did, because he's, he is, uh, for all the wonderful things he is, he's also a loser <laughs> in what some is, respects. What? What do but you mean? To to like think about a project and be like, I'm just I'm not ready yet. That that's kinda that's kinda lame. It, in a good way. But no. <laughs> Okay, if we, and had like, this, and if we had gotten a Star is Born starring Bradley Cooper, directed by Bradley Cooper, I mean directed by Clint Eastwood in the um in early two thousand tens, we would not be talking about it the way that we are now. Probably not. But but like all that to say, with the, the long ingestation process, so many actors come through and are attached to it. Or in conversations Beyonce to, to star. Beyonce was supposed to be in Clint the Eastwood directing Beyonce in this movie with Bradley Cooper uh, playing the male lead, but yeah, that would not have that would not have worked. <laughs> and and why, Scott? Well, Christian. Uh, yes. Beyonce mm-hmm. is an actress I don't have experience with, okay. but notably is um, not as well known for her acting performances. Uh, I have not seen such films as Austin Powers in Goldmember. You haven't seen Pink Panther 2? Uh, I have seen Pink Panther 2, actually. But it's been a while. And I haven't seen um, Dreamgirls. Dreamgirls. So, you know, no offense to the, to the Beehive. But um, I, I don't think she would uh, have ended up at the Academy Awards for her performance. Although maybe in the songs, easily. But Maybe maybe, maybe a Beyonce directed in A Star is Born. That, no. Uh, <laughs> actually... I shouldn't say that because she has gotten some praise for her directed projects. So I, I, I can't be hot. Uh, either way, Ray Liotta, from what I've heard, not attached to play her dad. Like he was in conversations to appear as a character who was cut, who was like Bradley Cooper's manager. So uh, if Ray Liotta was in this movie, I think it would have been great. But I don't know like By the way, why you specifically would cast him as her dad. The epitome of evil, um, Ali's agent. Yeah, uh, I think one of the reasons why this movie is not a masterpiece, actually, um, is but, the handling okay. of that particular so, character. So, 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 is it because he's like cartoonishly evil? Um, if yeah, but like if you mean poorly written, then <laughs> he's no, no, no. He's what he's saying isn't smart. He says yeah. the exact same thing, like the exact things when he's in rehab or coming coming right out of rehab that you should not be saying to a recovering alcoholic. Um, there's no nuance to his performance. I do kind of think that's the point of it. And um, sure. the no I I, 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 I think don't, I don't hate that criticism of, of I yeah, I mean yeah, so <laughs> it's just that we, we I think there's more to talk about, but like this is one of my prompts of the movie. So yeah, uh, Rafi Gavran playing uh, Rez, who is um, Ali's ultimate manager who she meets um, you know backstage after one of Jackson Main shows. And yeah, I just think it's not a great character. Um, 
he is like for a while when he when he's like just the manager like he's pretty good at that he kind of gets down that that particular brand of bs that you that these these people say to the people they're trying to turn into stars but the way that he figures into the end of the movie i think it is almost poorly handled and it's redeemed by the strength of the performances but from from cooper and gaga um but yeah the way that he he specifically like i i don't we don't want to spoil this movie uh, it's recent enough um you know maybe we'll talk spoilers at the end but i, I just really dislike the way that he figures in sure. to the end of the movie which i think like it doesn't sink the movie, but it uh, it like takes me out of it. Um, then let's talk about something that we can both agree on: the musical performances. Every single one of these is amazing. I mean, let let's get back to where you were going or long before I talked about Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, so Cooper or Jackson Maine invites her to come to the show, and she right. ditches work with Anthony Ramos in tow. Um, they, so they like quit at the same time. Yeah, of course, because he's a good friend. No, 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 he doesn't quit. He doesn't quit. He says he'll be back another day. I thought I thought that he was maybe joking about that, but he probably did go back. So, either way, they get on a private jet, fly to wherever Jackson's playing, and she shows up backstage, and then we get one of the best scenes in any American movie of the last maybe twenty years or so, <laughs> because. Um, Jackson calls Allie out on the stage to sing "Shallow." And if you saw this movie in theaters, you know why I'm talking about it so hyperbolically, because it is unreal. <laughs> it is simply an unbelievable musical moment. I was watching this on my like old my old no sound bar, no surround sound TV, and I was still crying and getting goosebumps <laughs> like, uh, it, the, the first like 45 minutes of this movie are like 16 out of 10 it's like they're the way that they meet each other yeah. the the way like they're how they fall in love the flirtation that begins the building dream chemistry and the way in which um the showmanship on stage i mean someone else put this better than i could but bradley cooper in this movie, plays just the most credible rock star. Like, someone who has a little bit of a, I know I'm famous, but I don't like talking about that kind of aloofness, but also the one that when he has the growl and he belts it out during a song like Black Eyes, you cannot help but look at him and stay captivated. And, and, and honestly, it's so cheesy. Like, it's a line in this movie, and yet it makes sense. A lot of people have talent, but not everyone has something that they want to say, or that they can say, or that they should say. Yeah, I think that what, what you're getting at is something that is, like, particularly true of Bradley Cooper, is that some of his best stuff is, like, it's cheesy. Or it's, like, you, you can, like, sort of see the intent behind it, where... Yeah, he's trying to cultivate like a, a capital GHC great Hollywood career, uh, and people have criticized him for like trying too hard with Maestro, you know, playing the like famous Amer real life figure and, and doing this big biopic to like win an Oscar or whatever, and that's a fair reason to criticize him, of course, sure. But I think that that like again that sincerity is something that is like at the core of the appeal of Bradley Cooper, and. Your relation, what's interesting is that your relationship to prior versions of A Star is Born, or even to the 
the inspirations for this I haven't seen version. Any of them. Yeah, I haven't seen them either. And or like, but your relationship to the inspirations for this characterization of the lead character can also inform your feelings in the movie because what he's doing, he's literally doing Sam Elliott's voice, which becomes a plot point. <laughs> like, because he casts Sam Elliott to play his character's older brother and they talk about it in another great scene. Uh, but some people did criticize it as like a lousy Sam Elliott impersonation, which, hey, fair if you think that. But also... No, you know, you're wrong if you think that. Keep going. But, I mean, he's also like... He did not create this, like, uh, rock star, country rock star persona out of nothing. Like, there are very clear inspirations from someone like Eddie Vedder, who's the, the frontman for Pearl Jam, where, like, the, the low, gravelly voice, the, uh, you know, playing the guitar and singing, and even, like, as opposed to just being a guitar player, just being a singer, uh, it, but, like, fronting also, a rock band, you know, like, if you were... Kings of Leon vibes also. Kings of Leon, yeah, like, that, that sort of style of music. So if you dislike those musicians that's that genre of music if you are annoyed at the inspirations where maybe you really love eddie vetter and you're like bradley cooper why are you doing low rent eddie vetter <laughs> like then i can totally see how people might might bristle at that but i think by i would go out and buy his record 100 you can a star is born is on vinyl you can go find it <laughs> but... i don't have that but i do have maestro on vinyl now apparently there you go uh, you can go buy some some Pearl Jam, I'm sure, and see if you know you vibe no, with grunge. Well, I, I, but but you know what I'm saying that if this man were a real musician, and, and it's it's weird to talk about real and what is real and what is not because some of these things, of course, aren't real because it's movie logic and it's movie magic and it should be movie logic and movie magic because we're looking for an entertaining entertaining time. And and uh, um um side tangents about sports, but I won't go into that right now. In, um, no, it's like, well, that's why I don't care if a game is close or not, because games aren't movies and the best team, if they're winning by 30 points, and that's, that's, that's like, cool. Um, other than that. <laughs> Welcome to Sports on Tap, the Scotland's <laughs> Christian Views. Oh my goodness. Here's the, I did not like the Super Bowl. I, 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 I thought it was quite poor. I thought Patrick Mahomes did great. It was a, it was a very good game. Uh, the first half was a little I, slow, but... I, I don't. Know, I like defense. I don't know. Everyone was. I don't think anyone was really pay, playing that well. Okay. That's not true. Um, <laughs> the defense has played very well. The defense was okay. Uh, okay. Uh, um, the 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 uh, the way in which they like like the um, hey Ellie turns around. I just want to take another look at you. The the much maligned moment in the trailer becomes one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> no, exactly. An iconic meme. Because you believe it. And and uh, it it's what other movie did I say this about? I said this about Lady Bird. Much of what Saoirse Ronan says in Lady Bird is a bit didactic. She's very overt about her feelings, but she truly believes them, and that's the best vehicle for um, those high school thoughts to come through. The way in which they are explaining, like when when um, when uh, Bradley Cooper is talking to Sam Elliott about their childhood and who it was that he idolized. It's a very overt way of saying and building that brotherly relationship, and yet I believed it. The writing was there in service of how good these actors were. Sam Elliott, Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, all three of them got nominated for Oscars, and you know what? Well-deserved. Yeah, I think these are really great performances. I mean, we've talked uh, talked a bit about Cooper for sure. I think Sam Elliott is really effective in... um, less screen time than mm-hmm. I remember. He he doesn't have a ton of scenes, but 
I mean, this is just, they're so effective when, when he is there and you, you feel the years on this relationship. Um, what, you know, where Elliot is playing his older brother, although they make a joke uh, in the movie about how he, they look like a father and son duo because, uh, Jackson Maine was born when their father was a lot older and was with a different woman. They shared different mothers and, and all that. And there, you can feel the the years on these guys. The years of Bobby, who's the who's the Sam Elliott character, looking after Jackson, guiding him on these tours, trying to protect him, and Jackson being a little snot, <laughs> like being uh, developing his drinking problem and and his drug problem, and being hard to deal with and hard to manage. You really just get so much from these two actors when they go toe to toe and when they go face to face. So even when they are saying things that are just very like obvious and very on the surface, yeah, it's it's just effective. It's like great drama, but also there you can still tell that there is more going on under the surface. There's pain, real pain, but behind these two guys that that these two brothers that they bring to their relationship, especially from this often spoken about father who's long gone by the time we get to the movie there's their perspective on their father is very different and it comes up in a few different a few different scenes the way that um, Jackson more idolizes this man who he only knew as a child really whereas Bobby grew into his 30s before their dad died and, and he saw this like failed and flawed man and and you can feel the difference in how that formed them these are just great characters. <laughs> like, sure, I'm sure that there's some inspiration from Amen. other versions of A Star Is Born, but these are really great characters, and and this like brotherly dynamic is so well done between the two of them. Even if Elliot is so much older who, than Cooper, who won the movie? Bradley Cooper, obviously. But uh, I, I mean, just needed to hear you say that. But I mean, we gotta talk Lady Gaga too because oh my goodness, she's so amazing. At as, this. Yeah, aside from how just like unbelievably talented she is as a musician, get I mean, in this movie, she gets to just like belt and sing like, and sing shallow, which is again one of the best like movie songs of recent memory, one of the best movie scenes of recent memory, and she also gets to play behind the piano again. I'll always remember us this way. Just a super good song that is just plopped into the middle of this movie. She gets to do pop star stuff because when Allie, the star, is born, she becomes a pop star. Okay. And you you were you you hinted at this earlier. The pop songs are not as memorable or as good as the combo Cooper Gaga songs or I think the straight solo Cooper songs. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious your take on that, Christian, because from from my point of view, yes. I think that's honestly a little bit intentional. Same. And I agree. Although we there there are some conversations in the movie where Jackson uh, he, he drunkenly tells Allie that at, at some point that he doesn't respect not that he doesn't respect her he doesn't respect this type of music and he really believes that you know she has something to say she has uh, something to to share with the world as an artist and he doesn't believe that this is effectively doing that it's it's just kind of like she's become something bland and commercialized and i was sort of torn because it felt like if the movie was trying to make the point that like jackson is like this imperfect guy who's taken out years of you know trauma and shame and and substance abuse on this woman who's become you know his partner and his wife then uh it's like that's probably true yeah why why also 
why also kind of make him right? <laughs> I, like, okay, okay. So, so here's, here's my take on it. I don't, I think he is wrong and she recognizes that he's wrong, that pop music is incorrect. I think that what they were getting at was the interference and they do make him be right in the sense of uh, the manager who influences Allie throughout this whole time, makes her change her hair, makes her get to backup dancers. Um, it's not wrong that he did that, but he wanted to be Overlord. And in that, he also gives Jackson Maine like, the sword that he will kill himself with. He, he doesn't die by sword. He doesn't die by sword. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was trying to avoid the spoilers for people who hadn't seen this. He, he, but he doesn't die by sword. <laughs> he does not. This is true. Um, in, in a way, too, I think it also was a nice point that like someone like Lady Gaga, who, again, became immensely famous for Just Dance, Poker Face, these, these pop songs that like I can easily understand somebody not liking those songs, if they're not really into pop music especially. But she is a genuine artist. And it is, I think it's like a sort of sneaky little comment about how so many of our biggest, most successful pop musicians, certainly not all of them, but how many of our biggest and most successful pop musicians are genuine artists who are trying to like stay relevant and who are trying to compete in this very big world that we live in. Um, I mean, even take someone like Ed Sheeran, who unfortunately, like I have not really listened to his last couple of albums. They have not been well reviewed or, or much listened but to. But when Multiply came out, it was a sensation. But it was huge, and and he is like he came up like busking and playing with a loop pedal, like playing Glastonbury Festival by himself with a loop pedal. Like he is a, a real true blue artiste, like skilled with the guitar, songwriting legend, and it's just so funny to think about how. How again? These like very popular and bland songs are often written by or, or performed by these immensely talented people, and I think that's something that A Star Is Born is trying to get at by showing us like how wonderful Ali is, at, at, like as a musician especially. Where Jackson, who's from a different world of music, has a problem with her stuff, but it, it doesn't do, like take away from her actual talent. It like despite it, the type of music right. that she makes. I I think this also needs to do with um, the disappearance of uh, the genre in which he works in. The bluesy rock people that we spoke about it earlier, they do not have the platform that they used to have. I mean, Willie Nelson is still alive and his son is the one who wrote some of these songs. However, Willie Nelson might still sell out a stadium, but an acolyte of Willie Nelson will not. And so that does have to do with some bitterness that and jealousy. I mean, they talk about jealousy this entire time. Um, but in it, yeah, what you said before is correct. He has a little bit of a point on is she selling out a little bit. Um, and, and honestly, a scene that I think does, it, it speaks on this is his performance at the Grammys where they're, oh, <laughs> No, not not yes. that part. <laughs> not I'm talking about his performance. Um, I don't, what was the song that they were doing? They were they were, so they're doing a tribute to Roy Orbison and singing the song "Pretty Woman." And uh, Jackson gets originally is asked to lead it, and then he gets relegated to just playing in the band. And what he does, which the Grammys like they do it, that, but he he gives some 
guitar riffs inside of there, some electric guitar riffs that sound kind of incredible and are a modernization attempt. And everyone looks at him and it, they look at him, you know, weirdly because he's trying to hijack the conversation. But also, that's what you would do, a recontextualization. And it's, it's this back and forth between what does it mean to stay traditional, what does it mean to be influenced, to what genres are in play, is recontextualization something that is true to the source material or not? Um, which, if that is... <laughs> With a movie that's the fourth version of itself, it, you know, even that is a little common. This, this movie just has so much on its mind, which is one of the reasons that I love it so much. You know, I, I don't know if I would necessarily describe it as a movie with so much on its mind, but I would say that I still think that it's not like there's nothing there, for sure. And again, I think this is an absolutely, like, wonderful piece of entertainment and just, like, classic Hollywood movie making. And you don't you don't always uh, get that without some, some thoughtful ideas put into it. And I think there is a lot going on where it's not, like, the richest text. Again, a lot of the stuff is on the surface, there's still a lot to say about, about being an artist, about being someone who's trying to communicate with the world, who's trying about to like what you give up. Yeah, about, about what, what you it give takes up from you, uh, and, and even about just like about being or loving someone who is struggling with severe mental illness or severe like uh, addiction issues, like. Even mixing that into the movie, like, there's probably people out there who were maybe touched by this movie because they know someone who struggled in a similar way that Jackson Maine did, even if the person they knew was an average bear and not a famous musician. And, and even if you are not someone who um, struggled with that, we have to, we, we have to confront the... They start a relationship, and the person that he started a relationship with in a matter of months ended up being more famous and a hotter commodity within an industry that he works in. And even though that's a little petty, it's an understandable feeling. There are so many ways in which, uh, besides the alcoholism and besides the artiste aspect to it, Jackson Maine is a relatable character. And honestly, Ali, exceedingly relatable character. Yeah, I, I think weirdly she's a little bit more relatable in some respects than he is because so much about her feels like she feels like a normal woman who made it. <laughs> and that's what's so great about getting that early scene with her dad and uh, who runs a driving service with these other drivers who are all kind of meeting at his house before they go out for the day. And you get this little scene where she's like, yeah, like kind of messing with them and taking care of the house because. Uh, we don't know where her mom is and she might be dead. And her dad, of course, is like, <laughs> well, I mean, her dad is like in his sixties. That's all I'm saying. So it's, you know, and they're like, she's yelling at him for like leaving dishes out and stuff like that. And, and she's like, we all know what that's like. And, and seeing her become famous, but never lose that core of who she is, is, uh, again, like a great bit, a bit of Gaga's performance, but it also is cast across from Jackson Maine, who's been famous for decades. And you see him kind of like recover part of his soul because of Allie, which makes the ending all the more tragic and heartbreaking. Um, the, the ending song, you texted me saying, how dare he? Yeah, the, the ending of this movie, uh, you could have tried Bradley Cooper at The Hague for war crimes. Like it is, uh, it's just, 
It takes emotional manipulation to a whole. It is world. emotional manipulation of the highest order. This is this is artisanal emotional manipulation. This is it's so well done. Fair trade, small batch emotional manipulation. It is. It's so well done. When there's, let's just say that there's a final performance. It is. It it, it is headed by Lady Gaga. Uh, halfway through, a little actually near the end of the song, it cuts. Dude, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll spoil this because hopefully if you're listening to this episode, you've seen the movie. Um, obviously, like, don't listen for the next couple minutes if cool. you're so, going to watch so a story. So Bradley Cooper kills himself because of what Ali's manager said. No. He hangs himself. No. He no. thinks that he is going to bring her down, and so he hangs so, himself so, on the no. night of her last performance when he, she was invited. Oh, this is after he pees himself at the Grammys. Significantly and, after he does and, that. And so he's trying to go through rehab. He's looking better. You know, his face is shinier and brighter and, and things are looking up. So I think, and then he thinks I think he's something, going to pick up the pills again. Something very important to note here is that, like, he is struggling because of like he he is a traumatized person. Yes. Uh, yes, he is. And he is dealing with severe mental health issues and the loss of his career because his tinnitus has gotten more severe and he's losing his ability to play, uh, at least play in front of big crowds of people. And he's 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 coming out of rehab and coming out of rehab and, and trying to recover. And this is when we get the kind of not so great scene where uh, Rez sits him down and tells him like get out of the way, you're going to ruin Allie, you're going to like make her life miserable, you embarrassed her, you should be ashamed of yourself. He's the epitome of evil. And he basically, like, he basically he's says... stupid. Yeah, he basically says, like, kill yourself, bro, which is not great. Um, and ultimately is... what, what I to tell someone with a mental illness. Yeah. And, and what's sad is that, like, when Jackson Maine dies by suicide, obviously, it is... Um, it's the result of a life of struggle. And it's a shame that that is sort of encapsulated in this, uh, this sort of like rinky-dink little scene with someone who is not, who has not been a like major part of the movie. He's certainly been a, like one of the only like villains in sure. the movie for sure. But um, yeah, it's it's unfortunately a bit of a stinker. But it does lead to, lead us to the ending of the movie. The, we kind of had to get there. Yes. Because yes. this unfortunately like often happens. I don't know if it always happens in A Star Is Born, but. Uh, I believe the like I the think male one, he like literally walks into the ocean. Yeah, like the male character often like dies at the end of the movie tragically, um, as the female character like continues to ascend. Um, so all that to say, like it does lead to this pretty like gut wrenching uh, and like completely heartbreaking death scene, um, and after a moment where Allie and Bobby kind of bond over their shared loss, we get to see Allie again. And notably, her hair is brown, and it's not dyed. She introduces herself for the first time in the movie... As Allie Main. As Allie Main. And begins singing the song, I'll Never Love Again. Which, it's just a beautiful song. Uh, yet, like, which, yet another beautiful song that Lady Gaga wrote with, Jackson, with others. But. but in the movie, Jackson had written it, hidden it in a notebook that she finds... And she asks him to teach her how he, or show her how he envisions some of this, uh, some of the the song sounding. Now, beautiful movie. I mean, beautiful song in this movie. Heartbreaking. And then it gets to almost the end and it cuts to 
Bradley Cooper singing as he is showing Lady Gaga in a flashback scene how he envisioned that song being written. And it's like an absolute gut punch. I mean, it's... <laughs> like, I knew it was coming this time. In the, in like, in the theater, I'm pretty sure it got me to cry. I, it was five years ago. Uh, not five. Or actually, a little more than five years ago. Good grief. But um, watch, watching it again, we are old. And watching it again, I knew it was coming. And I just forgot specifically when they make that cut. And it just destroyed me. Especially because you go from this... Not just like full band, but orchestra playing with her at this event where she's singing in tribute to Jackson and memorializing him through this beautiful song that he had written but never got to perform and cutting back to just the two of them at the piano. And, and like we're seconds away from the movie ending. <laughs> like, it's such, such like pure movie magic. And like, look there are so many wonderful and incredible and subtle movies, uh, thoughtful, pensive films about what it means to be human or our place in the universe or uh, wrestling with specific issues in, in deeply nuanced ways. But sometimes you just want a big, fat Hollywood movie to yank you around by the heartstrings. And they do that so <laughs> powerfully with the end of this movie. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Even ending it, and I know why, dude, like... Even ending it on the song, cutting back to the present, it ends, and Ali like looks into the camera. Uh, it's just like such a ballsy little touch to include at the end there, but it works. And it, it it actually has a lot of moments where the camera's just resting on Lady Gaga looking at it, and when Lady Gaga looks at this camera, you feel something. Um, exactly. And it cuts, and it goes directly into directed by Bradley Cooper. And I'm sorry, that's not a. Uh, Guys, I'm proud of what I did moment. That's, it's, oh man. Yeah, again, I think what's cool about Cooper's direction here is that it's not particularly showy as yeah. as a work of direction. But it can, it, there are some showy moments, but, but it's very subtle. And, right. and like the showiness relies on a couple of things. Like on usually, actually. On the what? I think show, the showiness that it does have are just from things being obvious. Sure. Um, th I mean, that and the the music itself. Like, oh, they're, yeah. they're leaning on the songs and on their strength as performers, which, like, kudos to Bradley Cooper for learning how to sing and learning how to play the guitar and do both at the same time, <laughs> which is, you know, that, that is an important skill. And managing to do that as successfully as he does is really impressive. But also, like, knowing what he had in Lady Gaga, <laughs> just, like, letting her loose all over this movie is a very good choice. And, again, one of the only reasons I'm excited about Joker Foley I Do, which is apparently a musical. Good lord. But with her in it, who knows, you know? Um, I mean, he, he, yeah. did a, he did a similar thing in Maestro, where there are many scenes that he just lets Carrie Mulligan go at it. Right. I mean, that movie was criticized by some for not really being about Leonard Bernstein and you don't really get a, as good a sense of who he was and what he With meant. his entire intent. But that's the entire point of the movie, we think at least, is that it's more focused on the marriage that made the man uh, behind the scenes. And it's a, it's more of a romance than it is a biography. I can actually point you to a podcast where he says, I'm not making a biopic, I'm making a marriage story. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he, he is really interested in these classic genres that don't get as much play anymore, or at least right now, in terms of like big budget resources being mm -hmm. devoted to them. Like, like these big musicals that don't really get made as often anymore. And when they do, apparently they 
a lot of people say that Hollywood hides the fact that it's a musical, like <laughs> the new Mean Girls movie, which did not really promote the fact that it was a musical in the trailers. And and like Whoa. this making this big musical for his first movie is just sure it's not a song and dance musical, it's, but it's a it's, it's a major swing. And given everything that happened, I think it's a home run. Um, I I want to know since we're at the end of three weeks of talking about five of his movies. What is your favorite movie of these five? And what is your favorite Bradley Cooper performance of these five? My favorite movie of these five is A Star is Born. Okay. I, I think I may have to say. And I'm curious about your answer for that one. My favorite performance of his... Um, man, I want to be like controversial and say The Hangover, but <laughs> that's not actually right. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of just torn between this and... Sobolinic's playbook, but I'll give it the edge to Star is Born also. I, again, I think this is like, this is like a singularity. Like, this is the moment um, for Bradley Cooper. This is so much of who he is synthesized into this singular movie. Um, and, and the fact that it's his directorial debut uh, and even screenwriting debut makes it all the better. What about you? I would... I want to say performance at Silver Linings Playbook. I want to say movie. Right. And I want to say it's Silver Linings Playbook. That's what it was originally for me. It might still be that, but we're splitting hairs. Like, we're, like, I agree with you. The, those are the top two movies for me of this bunch. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it, it's, it's like the minuscule of, I wake up tomorrow on the wrong side of the bed and it's probably going to be a Star Wars boy. And that's how small that is. Bradley Cooper. What a man. What a guy. You know, it, it, he, it's funny. He is obviously one of the, one of the current crop of True Blue movie stars, which, uh, it's smaller now than it ever has been. But, um... I, I just really, really like the guy. And I know he's got his detractors, and he's not, like, got a universal approval rating. Someone like Leonardo DiCaprio still has kind of the edge on him where, like, everybody agrees a Leo movie is a big deal. And there's not a ton of people who were like, Leo was bad in that movie. Um, I think people are, like, ticked that he won for The Revenant instead of something that they preferred in terms of, like, winning Oscars. But, like, that's the worst it gets for Leo. I mean, people didn't love Don't Look Up either. That's more of an Adam McKay thing. Um, regardless of all that Leo talk, I mean, he's just one of like one of the the best people working in Hollywood right Bradley now. Cooper? Yeah. Okay. Like, sorry. Just... I mean, I think Leo is probably like still the the last. You know, he he's like sort of the earns the title of like the last movie star, even though he's not obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I think Cooper is like a worthy like second tier of like in terms of acting, and I, I'm really excited to see where the rest of his filmmaking takes him. I think this will be a very interesting next. 10 years or so for him um, as he approaches uh, the end of his middle age. But obviously in Hollywood, people are living longer and looking better while they do it. So I'm sure he's got a lot of great stuff left in him. Couldn't be me. You know, uh, you know who produced this movie, Christian? Uh, a, star, um, a Star is Born? Was yeah. Todd Phillips was one of the producers. Isn't he? he was. He was. Um, oh, then besides Bradley Cooper and Todd Phillips, who were the other ones? Uh, Bill Gerber, Lynette Howell-Taylor. Oh. And also, John Peters. Oh. It all comes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'm not touching that. 
Uh, Why not? I think it's hilarious that he produced a SARS board and then Bradley Cooper was like, you're interesting. Hey, Paul. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson, I got an idea for you. Obviously, I'm sure PTA wrote the part. Well, if you, if you remember <laughs> what he did in Licorice Pizza, um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to keep going. I'm just not going to keep going. I, I'm sure that's based in reality, my friend. Licorice Pizza was inspired by real life stories, so. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to keep going. Okay. You, you sure should. Talk uh, about John Peters. Talk shit about John Peters. I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> all right. Ne- ne- uh, next week. Next week, you could, I've already talked about what it is that we're going to be doing. Um, Actually, let me. You still have not told me what we're going to be doing for March. So as I look forward to what it is that we're going to be doing for March, and I'm I'm between a few ideas and trying to figure out exactly what I want to do. So it'll it'll be announced next week. Don't worry, and you'll know before we record. Don't worry, but I am I am going to. I'll, I'll give you. An, well, I already gave you this update, but I I turned in my final big revisions draft for my short film. And I think we're going to start hopefully filming middle of March. Um, and then my second short film, I spoke with both of my lead actors. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be a short film. We're toying with the idea of making it the first episode of a 13 long, um, 13 episode long web series. And I recently watched the film Anaconda, starring Jennifer Lopez, Ice Cube, Owen Wilson, and John Voight. I say, okay, the reason I said that is because (laughs) I might try to invite some of the people in my cast and crew to come in and talk about some of the movies with us. Well, that would be fun. I will see what I can do uh, in terms of getting to to invite Ice Cube, Star of Ice Cube, Owen Wilson, or John Void about making an appearance on this podcast. Hey, maybe we'll do Midnight Cowboy. We'll get we'll get Void on to talk about his his breakthrough performance for an X-rated movie. Yeah, the only X-rated movie to win the Academy Award for Best Picture, folks. X isn't even a rating anymore. That's partially why. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get J Lo on. We'll talk Selena. We'll we'll talk uh, we'll talk about her career in music. We'll talk Ben Affleck. I mean, it'd be J Lo if you're out there. Be a great time. Just saying. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Ice Cube would actually be the most. <laughs> if we got Ice Cube on, that would actually be the most interesting one because we could do like a we could do a Boys in the Hood and Friday double feature, which would be honestly pretty incredible uh, episode. But um, we could have Ice Cube. We could have Snoop Dogg. Well, I mean, his uh, his acting performances leave a little bit more to be desired. We know what? Why don't we get Tupac? What do we reveal? We on will this? get the Tupac hologram <laughs> to make an appearance and talk about poetic justice here on the podcast. What I learned today is that Tupac was up for the role of Bubba in Forrest Gump. Hollywood's a great place, Christian. <laughs> and it's stories like these that really... Like, the best part about that is that if you are someone like me who believes in the multiverse and... You just, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, multiverse means infinite, infinite. Everything that can happen yeah. likely has, mm-hmm. uh, except the uh, version of the multiverse where Amy Adams and Glenn Close have Oscars. We got to make that happen, multiverse. Uh, but there's a version of the multiverse, that was a bad joke, where Tupac was Bubba in Forrest Gump. There's a, there's a version where, like, he 
is the one who's in like are we there yet instead of ice cube because his appeal was softened over time after his his heartwarming appearances in, in comedies and family films i mean what an incredible thing what an incredible thing to think about the, christian the oscars are march 10th um you will be coming over i will yes oh that's a threat okay i gotta i gotta prepare myself march 9th put on some armor locking on my doors it's march 9th well, I mean, I'm just going to have to prepare on March 9th oh, for sure. when you come abscond with me on March 10th. I, I, I actually need to remember what we, we will, uh, eventually, yeah. folks, in March, we will do a little chat about the Oscars, maybe a little before, a little after. We're, no, we're doing an Oscars predictions episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. Despite whatever I end up planning on doing in March, uh, we are definitely going to do a little bit of Oscars chatting, which will be fun. I still haven't seen Nyad. Have you seen Nyad? No. I... <laughs> I was supposed to go today to watch El Conde, which is known for best cinematography. Ah, uh, yeah. But then you told me you couldn't record on Valentine's Day. Yeah, um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, I am a married man, unavailable on Wednesday, February 14th to record. Um, unfortunately, Christian, you missed your El Conde screening, so you have to watch it on Netflix with the rest of us. But is it on Netflix right now? It is a Netflix original film, in fact. Sure. Uh, I need you to get with the times, Christian. Uh, look, I mean, you might see more movies in theaters than I do, but I, you gotta get with it. You gotta know where El Conde is. That's that's the mark of true insight and knowledge. Christian, A Star is Born is streaming on Hulu. Many other Bradley Cooper films are streaming, of course, because he is a very famous actor. And we encourage you to watch his films in preparation for next week's episode, where we will talk through our Bradley Cooper flight, our respective thoughts on the four films that signify Bradley Cooper and we'll share our respective top five Bradley Cooper performances. Just a spoiler alert, Midnight Meat Train will probably make an appearance. Just kidding. Uh, alas. But. If. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything, Christian. Well, my, I mean, my number one, two, and three are Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. In that order? So I just got to figure out There's if 4 no and 5 way. is Infinity War and Endgame, or is it like Endgame and Thor Love and Thunder? Like, I just got to figure out where all the, you know, how those five stack up. Because, like, I mean, we've, we've seen kind of whatever movies, like A Star is Born, but, like, true cinema it was made by Marvel Studios featuring Rocket Raccoon. So I have, to, I have to sort that out with myself for next week. I'll get a handle on that. So I think my top five are going to be his episode on Sex and the City. Great. Uh, his appearance in the actor's studio, um, where I forget who he asked the question to, but the, there's, there's the, one famous one. The video where he meets Spike Lee and he starts crying. Actually, uh, recent entrant into this competition, he was uh, just in a T-Mobile commercial at the Super Bowl with his mother. mother. Uh, he was in a Super Bowl <laughs> commercial with his mother last year also. So, here's the thing. Here's how you know that Bradley Cooper is in a little bit of a different, like, or shall we say, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Cruise. These, these guys are in, like... A little bit more of a rarefied air because they would never deign to do a T-Mobile commercial. That's why I would rather watch a Bradley Cooper movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's your loss. Bradley Cooper, a man of the people, though. Oh, man, that's enough chatter because we've been talking for quite a long time. But this is one of your favorite movies, so I'll let you uh, sift through it all over again. Do you hear that? Oh. <laughs> There's unfortunately a, an alert coming in through my phone. Oh, yes. Not, not a good one, folks. No, we'll not a good one. Later. But... That is our Bradley Cooper month. We'll wrap it up next week and I'll share my thoughts on March. I mean, not my thoughts. I'll share my plans for March. Mm -hmm. And Christian, I promise you will know before the listeners do. But uh, that's coming next week here on the show. 
There are, of course, a few other things you can do to support the podcast here. Number one, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. Helps us reach new listeners, of course, and it just means a lot to the both of us. Um, I want to give a big shout out to my guy, Luis, at Cinephile. Luis, if you're out there, uh, very kindly uh, said that you liked the name of our podcast, and we've gotten some mixed feedback on that. So if you are uh, out there and give it a chance to listen, we appreciate you, Luis. And we appreciate... Everybody else out there who's listening along and leaving us nice reviews, thank you. Sincerely, from the bottom of our Bradley Cooper loving hearts. You can also follow... Uh, um, what's, the, what's the mix up here? You can also send us an email. Man, messed up the intro, messed up the outro. Christian, I'm all over the place today. Send us an email to cinemaontappodcast at gmail.com where we are regularly checking that inbox, looking for listener feedback on ideas that we could spend a whole month on or maybe just a movie that you want us to cover and we can figure out the uh, the rotation from there. Or maybe you just think that we're absolutely insane and obviously the best Bradley Cooper movie is Burnt and you're part of the Burnt contingent and you want us to talk more about that. And so, hey, let Burnt? us know your thoughts. You know, I don't hate it. Christian doesn't hate it. Maybe uh, if you love it, you'll talk about it a little bit more next week. Send us your thoughts. Again, that's cinemaontappodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and the both of us on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching, including Anaconda. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? I need to go buy myself some chicken soup. Christian is going to go buy himself some chicken soup. I'm going to have uh, a nice little sleep here coming up shortly. And yeah, until, maybe a donut. Maybe a donut. Maybe a donut. Christian very kindly brought some donuts over to our nighttime podcast recording, but he's, he's just a real sweet guy, so we thank him for that. Until next time, folks, this has been Cinema on Tap. Thanks for listening.